look, I don't live a very fancy life, frankly. Most of my shirts probably cost about $7, which is another problem. I know. Don't even go there. But damn, a nice lunch, you know? When the- <laughs> I haven't had a just- piece of sushi in my mouth in a really mm. long time. Richard. We always show off about our generosity here on the Post Light Podcast, formerly known as Track Changes. I'm going to say that three more times and then never say formerly known as Track Changes. Post Light Podcast. We like to share knowledge. We like to be generous. Uh, we, you know, we, we, t- we ask for a minute of your time so we can shamelessly pitch our, our firm. But oh, every, everybody knows what this is. We all know what this is. But I think we've given people a lot. But I want to give people something actually unique to us that it's a system of thinking and of prioritizing and helping to run the business that I think applies even beyond agencies. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a little exercise, Paul. I'm going to give you three minutes Mm. to spend on each letter in the acronym. And we're going to talk about how this helps Postlight hum and, and be successful. And Postlight is done very well, really more than anything else, as a byproduct of the trust and the goodwill we've built with the people we do work for. So I'm going to sit here and and advertise as if we've got some magic recipe that makes it happen. But frankly, it's the people that deliver the product that is just next level. This is a good framework. Let's talk about where this came from. So about middle of last year, you sat down and you said, we need to be evaluating and have some principles about the work that we do and how we deliver it and where we're going with it as a firm. And... I said, yeah, cool. That, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go to. And so then I think you went away for a month. And actually, I think this originally started as a way to evaluate product managers, like, like to think through like who had which skills and, and sort I of think figure it's some born out. out of that. Yeah. 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 And then you realize that this, and this is our first initialism. It's our first acronym in the firm. This could be a framework for understanding and evaluating projects in an ongoing way. So that's yes. so around January we started to live by the acronym in the firm. This goes back to my my principle of things that you used to hate just become more and more obvious as the firm grows. So yeah. like Yeah, here's another one. Trust falls in the woods. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to limit, we're going to use only uh, four minutes for each, each letter in the acronym. What is the acronym? The acronym is CORE, but there's a twist, Paul. It's not C-O-R-E. It's no? Q-O-R-E. Is that intense? Is that something? Wow. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's pretty wonderful. That's how you know you're part of a growth-driven organization when yes. they're willing to take, take chances. What, are the, what, are the, what does it stand for? What are the four things? The f- it stands for quality, opportunity, risk, and efficiency. Nice. All right. You could take those four metrics and overlay them on a lot of different kinds of businesses. But the agency business is especially, the R is capitalized and the others are lowercase, frankly. Risk in an agency business is everything because you don't have the visibility of a typical product business, a mature product business. So let's go through each. Quality. You want me to define it? Start and we'll talk back and forth. Yes. You've got four minutes, Paul Ford. All right. Well, look, 
Quality is how something compares to all the things that came before. And if it truly, and it, it's a combination of both things that are almost ineffable and hard to define and very instinctual, where you look at something and you go, I get it. And it really, and it can apply across disciplines. So there's, a, there's quality of code, there's quality of design, there's quality of the overall product. Let's, let's actually very quickly define like what one of those might be. So quality of the code. It's well-structured. It uses the idioms of the language. It is as brief as, as it can be. There's enough documentation, but not too much. And you're able to find your way very quickly. Sometimes you can squint and tell if code is good or not. Quality of design. Instead of taking the requirements that were listed in the document and just putting them kind of in a sequence on the page, instead of letting quick visual cues work, instead of organizing things in nice hierarchies, you've got a very clear sense of where you are. You know the kind of thing you're looking at. You know what you is expected of you as a user. You've got a clear type hierarchy, many things along those lines, like like good, solid principles, as well as understanding what action the user is supposed to take next. In terms of product, it's a, it's a matter of bringing all those things together into a framework that, again, a user will be able to pick up and just absorb into their way of thinking and being. So I'm looking at a lot of screens, and the screens are going to be presented to the client. And what has come to us is a business requirement and some hopes and dreams and a team that needs to turn their world around. So what I see in front of me is a journey that shows how the user is going to use the designs and the engineering that Postlight is building so that they can they can achieve their goals, not the client's goals, but the user's goals. And also in terms of product management, that we are ready to narrate how the user's goals are going to align with and enhance the business or the function of the organization that works for us. And now I'm very abstract, but you, you start to be able to see it. You start because you can see like that will have the bottom line results in terms of traffic or engagement or getting more donations that these people are expecting. And it looks like the good things that do that and less like the bad things that don't do that. So that's, that's quality. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth noting. We don't really bill hours at Postlight. We rarely do it. If your goal is to not just log hours, but rather get people to want to come back for more and your delivery is everything, quality is pivotal. Our growth is driven by quality, not by digging in and knowing, hijacking and having keeping hostage specific domain knowledge that only we can do, right? Like that's not our game. Our game is that you're going to love the work and we're seeing That's it, not right? quality. That's not quality. That you, Our game is you love the work and you're like, you know what? Give them the keys again. Our, there's a basic belief here, which is a scary one for an agency, which is let it end because they'll come back for more if we do good work, right? That's an unusual thing. Speaking of come back for more, Paul. Okay, okay. O stands for opportunity. Mm, okay, so a goodly portion of our business comes from relationships that extend. Now, Rich just told you we're not time and materials. Okay, so now it's tricky. Like, well, do you do change orders? Like, how do you extend a relationship? The weird counterfactual way that you do this is you ship the product that they said they need you to build. Because what is real in our industry is that once you ship that, all the other things that you have put off 
in order to make that a reality, now come to the fore. And yes. because the relationship was good and because the product is of quality, this isn't them having you over. You, we don't have them over a barrel. They could yeah. take the code and they could make a few hires and they could build on top of it. They could go to another agency. But what they've determined is that if they go back for more with the requirements that have emerged since we started building this thing, they're going to get that same level of quality and it's going to be good. And so what we're looking for when we're evaluating in terms of opportunity, it is how is the relationship? Are we in a position of trust? And if there is, now look, if the thing is done and they want to get it to the market and their team's going to take it from there, like that's great. Then we did our job. But if they are looking to extend because they want to get more done, then we want to make sure that we're listening, we're writing it down, that the relationship is warm. One of the things you deal with in sales is that, it's rough to walk back in after six months and be mm -hmm. like, hi, remember me? I write contracts. That is a very like awkward place to be. And so are we keeping in touch? Are we, you know, are we making sure that there is good transparency? And also if there are any challenges, if they're frustrated, if there's something they're not getting, do we absolutely know that? Because yep. that is the easiest way for someone to say no to an extension is for them to go like, yeah, but... Mm, I, there is a thing. I think what you're touching on is elevating beyond project to relationship, right? Uh, we have many yeah. clients that frankly don't think of us as the project company, but rather as the relationship company. We want to be in the conversation when they think about other things, especially very big clients that are inevitably going to spend money and are going to look for partners. We want to be viewed as like, oh my God, who better than Postlight to do this? So opportunity is around that. It's not just can you get an extension. A lot of times opportunity won't materialize for another year. There's a critical thing too. Like we are expensive, especially upfront, if you don't buy a lot of services because we are competing with outsourced firms that are able to do a lot of things with how they charge for labor. And more specifically, they optimize their relationships to get in there and then extend them. Okay, we actually don't optimize for that. Like we're talking about this now, but it, and it's because it's part of our firm because actually for about three years, we told people, don't even bother. Like we're going to give this to you and it's going to go to your team. Don't worry, we're not trying to lock in. And what happened is finally people were like, no, 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 no. I don't want to build a product team. Could you just be the product team? Like you're actually yeah. the most efficient and probably the most cost effective thing I can go with if you would just like stop trying to throw it over the wall and, and just stay here and own it with us. And we were actually confused about that because we're like, isn't that going to be boring? But it turns out there's like usually pretty big, complicated product roadmaps on larger projects. And so it's building that relationship, but without trying to jam it in there, without trying to like be like, oh, hi, it's yeah. me again. Didn't yeah. see you there. Well, it, we don't, it's not about the schmoozing. It's, like, it's We don't ask the question of, hey, have you had lunch with the person? Have you taken them out for drinks? It's not, it's never about that, actually. It's frankly, the work is, gonna, is the thing that's going to build that. Oh, let's well. be clear. We, we have nice credit cards. We're glad to take the client out for a nice lunch. Like, I mean, it is. That's just part of life. Yes, like, yes, let's, yes, let's, yes. Let's, yeah, yes. I miss it. What's the point of life if you can't take a client out to sushi? This pandemic is killing us. Speaking, speaking of sushi that gets delivered to you in a hot, sunny day, R is risk. Dude, this, I mean, let me throw this one back to you. You are our operator around risk in this firm. Yes, so the, a key part of core is another way to state risk is expectation management. Frankly, what do they think is coming next? And are you ready? If you're not ready to get ahead of what's coming next, then that is the single 
biggest source of risk for anything, frankly. Your stakeholders are coming. What do they think is coming? And what this often leads to is what we call rehearsal meetings, where they literally present and use language as if the stakeholders inside a post light sit in the seat of the client and they present. And, and, and so very often the conversation goes like this, like, well, what do they think is coming next? And if you get a blank stare, which means they haven't really communicated what's next, right? Then risk is already in play because what happens, and I've said this on the podcast before, if there is ambiguity, your stakeholder is going to fill that ambiguity with something in their heads and they're not going to tell you what it is. And when there is ambiguity, you are always wrong. That's not just client service. That's everything. That's everything. That's management. Yes. That's like, so that is narrow, going to the restaurant. Narrow that gap, set expectations. And this way, you can't be surprised, right? If anything, we have this thing around, around risk is, okay, cool. So they know what to expect. Are you going to surprise them with anything? So like that's the next level, which is like, okay, they know they're getting that. Can we go above and beyond? Are you going to show them three examples when you told them you're only going to show them two? Then how, does, how do you go beyond that, right? This ties in with one of the rules of the firm, which is there's no bad news 60 days out, right? Like if something isn't right. going well, you, if you raise it two months ahead of time, there's always time to solve it. If it's two weeks ahead and they're expecting mm-hmm. a launch, you've created a crisis. Yeah. All right, so let's recap so far so we can close it out with E. Quality. Quality, opportunity. Opportunity, risk. And then finally, efficiency. Quality is a tricky one. Like You can kind of give it a letter grade, but it really is a story. Opportunity is, hey, I think we need to get that relationship going and make sure that we understand what they need so that we can give them a number and they can decide if they want to go forward with it. So that has a very clear next step. Risk is what do you, how do you articulate risk? Um, I mean, I think it really, it's like, I'm worried that this is going to happen. I see a lot of problems if we don't do this, uh, that kind it, of thing. Yeah, I mean, are we headed down a path where the firm is more exposed? That's pretty much it. Yep. You're a vendor. A vendor, by definition, is supposed to be fired as soon as the clock runs out. And that we don't have, I mean, I'll say it, full disclosure, every agreement that we have signed has a cancellation without cause clause. You can send us home with a little bit of notice, no matter what. Oh, that's the whole point. You don't, even have to, you don't even have to meet our eyes. That's right. So that how do we, A, render ourselves critical and important, which is quality, right? And B, how do we minimize exposure, right? Because there are, you have your advocate, but then there are others around the advocate who'd like to see us go away. Oftentimes it's engineering because it's like, why are they here? We're good enough. They have their own opinions about how this should be going, and we're not part of that story. That's right. Everybody has those opinions. So how do you disarm the naysayers, and how do you empower your stakeholder, right? That is about, that's risk right there. It is, yeah. I mean, one of the most important things you can do along those lines when you're walking the floor is communicate that you're here for growth. You're not here to, you know, people don't know why you're there. Are you there to take their job? Not really. Yeah. No. Well, oftentimes they read you there as an indictment on what they've done so far, which is That's very, right. very painful to drive through. Efficiency, Paul. Well, efficiency in, in pure terms is, is this staffed correctly to get a good result, but not overstaffed so that people are spinning their wheels waiting for things to happen? Because, and this is because we are not a, for the most part, a time and material shop. If someone isn't doing something, that means they can be doing something else. And that doesn't mean that they have to be doing work that drives 
money into the the co-founders' pockets. It means they could be doing labs projects, working on marketing stuff, working on contributing to the the website or whatever. And those things are very good for us. Like they could yeah. also just be talk. They could be, you know, doing a lunch and learn or or talking in the in the hallway and sort of building the community. Like I miss, which again I miss, right? But like. You know, that's that's part of the agency. So are we efficient? Are we running as well as we can? Are we meeting our dates? Are we getting to where we need to be? And are we doing it according to the outline of the statement of work and while simultaneously meeting expectations? Now, where this can really throw you is if scope changes, and it does, and somebody wants something more for the amount of money that they paid than you expected to give them. And in general, we are going to try to give them more. We don't get into a lot of positions where people are just like squeezing us and we're grinding. Like that's not, but some sometimes they're like, look, I, I just, could you do this for me? And we're like, all right, well, we're partners. Let's go. Yeah, it's true. And it's funny because, you know, it was one of the things I was warned about more than anything is don't expose yourself and button it up as much as you possibly can because you, they'll come back, they'll come back for you and, and you'll be in pain. And, and so, you, you know. You can't keep it fast and loose. And in fact, we by design keep it somewhat fast and loose because underpinning it all is this is this dynamic that we like to establish that it is a partnership, that nothing is set in stone, that software is malleable, and that we're going to have to work through problems together. And what we found, and this is something that I don't think very many, if any, agencies do because it would seem extremely risky. But in fact, if you do it right, A, it builds goodwill, and B, it can be immensely profitable because if you run it efficiently and you deliver them the thing that makes them really happy, they don't want to know about the details underneath. They want, they're just happy, and that's a very powerful thing. But if something was supposed to be done in 90 days and we're on 70 and it doesn't feel like it's going to happen, we will enforce it. We will hold people accountable to the commitment, the time frame commitment, because if it gets away from you too quickly, it could it could flip on you real fast. You can go from mm-hmm. being very profitable to really being underwater. And so we just want to check in with that. We don't want it to be a thing with like, how do we, like to your point earlier, like how do I squeeze as much as possible out of this wet towel? That's not the point here. If it's going to make it great, with an extra two weeks, we'll give it the extra two weeks. But what we don't want is to just forget about when the damn thing was supposed to end and it just drifts and drifts. And also, let's be really clear. If you if you have an experienced buyer and they know what they're buying, if they don't know what they're buying, that can be complicated because they have to learn like what how software gets made in real time. And you can educate them, but that is a process. Everybody has to learn that the first time, and sometimes that is that is the client. But on the flip side, if they know what they're buying and they see the quality they are expecting, then the efficiency follows very, very quickly because they're not worried. They're not like, am I getting everything I paid for? Because they're able to look at it. They're seeing that the quality is there, and they're saying, all right, I'm getting everything I paid for. And yeah, there's a big checklist of all the buttons and features, and they're getting that too, but they're not just getting that. This is where software companies get in trouble, right, is that they deliver every single box. And that's why the government has terrible user interfaces because nobody mm-hmm. actually bothers to glue them together sort of into one big application. Mm-hmm. They give them they ship a million boxes. And that's how that that's how that provisioning and contracting process actually works. 
And so that is the wrestling match. But if you, what, what you see is that there's actually a stronger link between quality and efficiency than I think a lot of people would think. If you get it right and you work really hard to get it right, the efficiency follows very organically. And the client, the opportunity shows up because the relationships are right. Quality drives everything. Absolutely. Quality is the driver. You know, it's no one's ever said to us at Postlight. You know, I expected 300 hours. You only gave me 280 or something like that. It's never happened. Never. It, will, it never. will never happen because we don't sell that, right? We sell the outcome. And, and I think it's riskier, but it's frankly more rewarding. Uh, it's not. I mean, we're four years in. It's not that risky. Well, we, I think we cracked the code and we could write a book about it. But for now, we're just going to share. We'll do a points. podcast. Yes. So core. So next time you are evaluating multiple products in your life. Quality, opportunity, risk, efficiency. Just sit down. And I'm going to confess something. When I do the meetings, I do a little report card. I literally give letter grades. Like I A, add them up to A minus, B minus. I mean, basically, that. yeah, I do it numerically. I add them up and I get a percentage for all four. And I have my notes. And then I, I write down what I expect to see the two weeks later. And, you know, I will tell you, it's a good way to close this out, which is that when we first started having these meetings in January and we decided that we were going to evaluate every single project along these lines, do you know what my reaction was? What? I utterly panicked once I got in the meetings because I was like, oh, my God, there's risk everywhere because I'd never looked at all the projects at once. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like suddenly the portfolio is in front of me. It was also a mechanism for us to, to look in, right? Otherwise, like, hey, yeah. what are you guys doing over there? Like it, it formalized the way to look in as we grow. So that was valuable. well, and it, what it does is it makes it healthy and normal in the firm to talk about the actual the actual work being done. And again, we're, you're getting it out of how is that person doing, or what are they doing, or you know, or you know, is that is that client happy and into a zone of what has been done, and what are the pe- what are people's reactions to what has been done? So, I mean, the the flip side is like now we have clear perspective on 15 to 20 ongoing projects where before that was, you know what, we also, we tried to have people report on it directly out of Slack and we tried to have different kinds of accounting. The meeting is a good structure here. Like getting together is important. Yes. You're not filling out a form. So uh, take this and go forth, everyone, core quality, opportunity, risk, and efficiency. Not to sound like too much like, you know, airport book business speak, but it's uh, these frameworks become necessary as you grow. You don't need them when you're 15, but they really are necessary, and they're good. They're good. To te- they're they're good lenses to hang over whatever you're working on. Otherwise, you're reacting a lot of the time. Core is an attempt to not just react. We used to, there was a day when 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 I had to get in, it was because things had gone bad, and that's yeah. not good. I'd rather go in and say, hey, wow, that looks great, great work. You know, what what listeners aren't hearing is the terrible struggle of the two of us to go, it's time for an acronym. (laughs) I think think they heard it, Paul. You started the podcast with, uh, sorry, guys, Uh, there's an acronym. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that that was actually hard for us to just be like, all right, we're one of those orgs. Let's yeah. let's get it right. But it is a good framework. It has been I use it almost every day. And then I've got my new little um, motto, which is, you know, quality, trust and uh, growth are the three things that I need to worry about as a CEO. Oh, another acronym for another podcast, Paul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll, we'll come back. I'm a CEO now, Rich. It happened. It's not just in title. It's my whole body has transformed. <laughs> For some reason, I, I no, I lift up my hands and they produce golf balls. It's just a terrible thing. I just, it just, 
everywhere I go. Uh, See, now I was about to pitch post light, and I can't do it anymore because I'm just seeing <laughs> golf balls flying out of your palm. Just flying out. That's that is the ultimate skill of a CEO is to yeah. to physically produce golf balls anywhere necessary. <laughs> <laughs> so we are Post Light, a digital strategy, design, and engineering firm here in New York City and around the world. Reach out if you'd like to talk to us about just about anything. We like to hear about the challenges you're facing and uh, we deliver big sprawling platforms for some great clients. Visit postlight.com. There's some great case studies there. Hello at postlight.com. Yep. Quality, opportunity, risk, efficiency. We will we'll bring you into our framework. But, uh, by the way, it's worth noting, those four, that acronym can be used for a healthy marriage, too, to, to, to just manage a healthy marriage. I don't know. I yeah. Might no, work. I can't. I'm, we're doing that meeting tonight. I'll, t- I'll let you know how it All goes. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.